Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Now you probably already know this, but the place of honor for a Christmas tree ornament is where? The very top of the tree. It's the place where our eyes naturally go. Of all the decorations that adorn a Christmas tree, it is the peak of the tree that we crown and glorify the most. It's natural even for fallen people, that's every person, fallen people in sin, to look up and heavenward. There is something about what is beyond us that constantly captures our attention. By far the very best of God's uh, very good creation was man. God says this himself. God was in the beginning and above all things, and God made man to be the crown of his creation. Under God, but above all earthly things. And to use a biblical illustration to this point, think about God uh, uh, as God is to man, Pharaoh was to to Joseph. the Pharaoh says to Joseph, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ordered themselves as you command. Only as regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And such as it goes with God and us. All things God gives us to uh, subdue this earth, to dwell within it, but yet to be good stewards of not our world, but, but his. And that's where the tragedy ensues. Not long after the word created the world, setting man as creation's chief housekeeper and magistrate, there was a great fall from that grace and truth. So even while our eyes gazed upward, we became impossibly lost to ourselves. Sin swallowed us up in the darkness of our idolatry, and in our flesh we became fatally frail. This darkness of sin is the origin story to the Christmas story. How the word who is God was betrayed by the flesh he created. Now, we may know this well, especially during the holiday seasons where, season, um, where we have people, where we invite them, where we have them over to our house. Betrayal from the ones that you love the most are the ones is the stuff that kind of hurts us the most. It's the most catastrophic of things, especially during this time of year. But think of all the more of the cosmic uh, consequences and catastrophe of man failing God, cursing themselves by going on their own way, living up to our own standards instead of the ones that God has given us. To man came with uh, our, our sins, the consequence of destruction and death. It's this terrible thing. But in the midst of that reality, there is this beautiful miracle. And these are the words that are captured in our gospel. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As people of darkness, as people of sin, We must come to terms with the embarrassment of not knowing that the true light showed up and we were unawares or unreceptive to him. St. John's Christmas story has this unsettling twist 
That it wasn't simply a, a jealous King Herod, who we always hear about every Christmas season, who despised the birth of Christ and sought to destroy him and take him out, but that it was his own people who did not receive him. We are then not innocent bystanders, but sinful scoffers of the nativity of our Lord. It's this tragic thing. This is certainly enough to condemn us, to condemn us and uh, all of our flesh to be cut off. But our flesh is not cut off. It's not what happens. We are told that we may yet become children of God, receiving Christ and believing in his name. When the word became flesh, Jesus assumed himself all of, into all the sins of, of man. He became Peter the denier, Paul the persecutor and assaulter. He became David the adulterer, the thief on the cross, and he entered into your sins too. Jesus became in his person the highest and the greatest and the only sinner, Luther writes. Another church father puts it this way, on our account, on, for, uh, for on account of our salvation, he, Jesus, took to himself that which was in every way alien and other to his own nature, meaning the flesh. That same church father also wrote, you should not think that the word abandoned his own nature and was changed into the flesh, for he would not be God if he changed and transformed. But remaining what he was, he became what he was not. And it's that last part I want to emphasize and impress upon you this, this Christmas Eve. In St. John's Christmas Gospel, at the Incarnation, we see that Jesus is one person with two natures. When the Word became flesh, Jesus did not change or transform the Word into the flesh, but assumed the reality of sin and the curse that is ours. Jesus, for our sake, becomes what he was not, a whole man, body and soul, and all that pertains to the reality of, of being human as distinct from God. His natures then are of our own and that of the word. He has both. He is God and he is man. This is how God dwells with us as one of us, as a man in the flesh, but also as God for us. Sinful man is assumed into the sonship of Jesus and so becomes a child of God. Did you catch that? Sinful man, you and I, are assumed into the sonship of Jesus with the Father. So as Christ is born as a child of God, it is through Christ that we are born as children of God. The birth of Jesus Christ is a vision of our own rebirth. To become a child of God is to receive the mercy that Christ brings to us into this world. He dwells among us since he cannot go to dwell. He dwells among us since we cannot go to dwell with him, at least not at first. His indwelling is a birth, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Of God. Christ is born to make us born of God. The true light is coming into the world. Light is shattering, shattering the darkness of our hearts. 
Jesus, in his sonship with the Father, comes to unite us with the Father, that we also may have sonship with the Father. It is the word of mercy. It is the greatest gift this Christmas season, of forgiveness. It's another twist to the Christmas story. By him, by Jesus, by his birth come many births. By his light come many lights. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He is the word that by all holy word come life and salvation. And his flesh is an earth-dwelling flesh that earth-dwellers like you and me may become heaven-dwellers like him, even in and despite our fallen flesh. This fleshly entry of Jesus into the world is remnant of his fleshy, fleshy exodus. There is no greater glory than the Son from the Father who assumes the flesh in order to have mercy on those of the flesh. This mercy began when the Son sought to redeem us by becoming like us in every way, yet without sin. And when it seemed that the flesh of wicked men were, were victorious in crucifying Christ, he rose from the dead. And so it is an impossible thing to think of the Christmas story in complete isolation. Isolation from the fall or from the resurrection of Jesus. But it is for this very purpose that Jesus came. To be born in our likeness taking on flesh, not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped, but for our sake, the Christmas story is possible for us that by his birth we may have rebirth. And so we cannot, with, we cannot recall the Christmas story without also rejoicing in Christ's death and his resurrection for us. To say that Christ was born to die is to say the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It came with a purpose. And you are that purpose. You are the Savior's purpose. Jesus is born in the flesh and crucified in the flesh. He is resurrected in the flesh and will return again in the flesh. Jesus dwelt among sinners and died for sinners. And even now Jesus dwells among us and is promised to dwell again in the last day. The Christmas story is a persistent story of God's love for us, his salvific act on our behalf to bring what is dark within us, our sin, and to shatter it by the light of his love, his mercy, the forgiveness of all of our sins. It's now for all this talk of the flesh that we notice this emphasis in how this all came to be. How from heaven the Son of God comes to dwell as the Son of Man. The Son of God and the Son of Man in the one Jesus Christ. The Christmas Gospel, according to St. John, is a unique vantage point. John drives our attention continually upward while the other Gospels beautifully fixate as on the babe in the, in the manger, John reminds us that Jesus comes from above, sent by the Father. 
that from above where glories dwell has come the word to become flesh and dwell among us. He is the great I am in the flesh. He is God born in the flesh to reconcile sinners in the flesh. The Christmas tree's throne is its topper. I don't know what it is for you, what you place on the top of your Christmas tree, but for our family, there is an angel, God's messenger to Mary, to the shepherds, and to countless others concerning Christ, who he was, and how he is coming into the world. But enthroned above us, where our eyes are prone to gaze, is the throne of Jesus in the midst of heaven. There he sits at the right hand of the Father until the day he comes again. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the great I Am. He is the one full of grace and truth. He is the Christ who grants grace by forgiving sinners and is the word that fills the fallen flesh with true worship and absolute fidelity to the Father. It's for these purposes that he came, to fill us with what we have to fill us with what we are lacking, to fill us up with what we are without. He is the word become flesh, who dwelt and dwells with us still. He is the joy of our Christmas and the future of our life together. He is the illumination of our hearts, and he is the light to our paths. It is Jesus who makes a merry Christmas. And Jesus is at the center of our celebration. God's blessings to you. And and I pray God's uh, blessings to each of you and your families. And a Merry Christmas to you all. Amen.